Good morning, everybody. Everybody here and everybody at home. Today's reading will be taken from the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. That's uh, Judges, chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timothy Eris, in the hill of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here again. Welcome to our worship this morning. Um, have you ever asked your children if they know what you do for a living? I know that's a really weird question, but you know, this is a, this is a thing on social media. It was you know a, a while back. I think it was last year, and I, I just have some examples here of what children thought in their own words of what their parents' professions were. Okay, so I'll just I just have some examples here. First one is this: My dad's a chemical engineer, and when I was a kid, I told people he poured toxic chemicals on people. Okay, it's weird how children view us and what we do for a living. Second one is, is this one. When I was a kid, I told everyone that my dad ate popcorn for a living. What a good job. Because the one time I visited him at the office, he gave me a bowl of popcorn and had me wait in the break room while he had a quick meeting. It was the only thing I remembered about his work. Okay, this is the last one. The last one here is this. I think this is my favorite one. I'm a stay-at-home mother, and when my son's kindergarten teacher asked what I did for a living, my beautiful boy responded with, she's a scullery maid. It's interesting how children think that their parents are their servants as well, right? But um, it's just interesting to me how our children, you know, in their words, uh, think, you know, what, what they think we do as uh, for a living as parents. But... I want to use these examples as a jumping off point to ask ourselves an even more important question. Okay, you guys ready? This is the question. What do you think your ch our children would say about us as their parents and as their spiritual leaders? I know that's, 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 a, that's a good question. And... It's, a, it's also a tough question. It's a tough one. Okay, in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four to five, uh, uh, it's a very, this is a very popular uh, passage in Scripture, uh, the Shema. We we read, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength." This verse is very familiar to us because we've, we've been see we've been seeing this verse come up, you know, throughout the year as we look into discipleship. 
this verse uh, was uh, quoted by Jesus when Jesus was asked, Lord or Rabbi, what is, the, what is the best commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And he said this, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that we are and everything that we have. But it's really interesting that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and following, after this verse here, that Moses was reminding Israel of this commandment, of these commandments, and Moses enjoins it to our main responsibility as parents. Okay, so here it is right here. Moses uh, then writes, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Okay? And this particular sentiment was also repeated, is also repeated in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 by the Apostle Paul. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So, uh, it's there. We understand that in these passages, God has called us as parents uh, to disciple and lead our families and our children. So this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about discipleship in our families. Um, this is very important for us today. I mean, this today is, is a family. It's a family. It's a, it's a lesson for the family. Okay? It's a family lesson. If you have children today, okay, if you're a parent today, it doesn't matter how old your children are, this lesson is for you. But today also, if you do not have any children, if you're not a parent today, this lesson is for you as well. Because we belong to the family of God. And uh, our calling is to exemplify our faith to everyone, uh, including our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to the children within the family of God. So this is for all of us. And it is very important for us to be reminded of this particular topic today because of two reasons. Number one, we already saw, right? First reason is because God, in, in, in particular in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and in Ephesians 6 and, and other parts of Scripture, uh, God commanded us and called us to this responsibility as people, as parents, to lead and disciple our children and our families. But the second one is very important. This is very important for us because we cannot not do this. We cannot afford not to disciple our families. Because if we parent our children, if we raise our children without discipling them into Jesus, into God, then what we're doing is we are building our households on a foundation of sand. If we do not disciple our children, you know what's going to happen? The world will do it for us. If we do not disciple our children, our children will take on what the world will tell them. The people around them, the society at large, the culture, the norms that are in the culture, their friends, their, uh, their, uh, what they see in social media, society in general is going to disciple them. So the onus on us is to disciple our families. Um, but as we look into discipling, um, as we look into discipleship, 
um, and especially as it, as it pertains to our families. What I want to do is, first and foremost, before, before we go to the points, what, what I wanted to tell you is this. You know, let's do a little disclaimer. I understand that it is our calling from God as parents to do this for our families. But I just want to be clear that salvation still belongs to the Lord. All right? That our children will be saved by grace through faith. Like the exact same way that happened to us. Um, the thing is, we will make mistakes. In varying degrees, we will fail. But what did God say about himself in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 remember when he was passing right in front of uh, right in front of Moses or of of of, yeah, of, of Abraham remember he, he said um, he said god he the lord god you know as, as his glory was passing by he said the lord god is gracious and merciful slow to anger abiding in steadfast love and faithfulness i mean that alone gives us so much encouragement that in this parenting work that god has given to us we are not alone okay god is with us along the way like what we sang earlier right thank thanks uh thanks to uh to david for saying for leading uh, for leading that song no not one how many hours is god not near us Right? No, not one. He's always with us every single time. So as we go to this, I just wanna I just wanna give us three things because we could have we could have gone so many ways. I could have gone so many ways in our lesson today, but this morning I'll have three points. One, two, three right there. And these are three practical ways that I would encourage us to consider if we want to be effective at discipling our families, at discipling our children. So the first one um, uh, is, uh, is straightforward. Again, th these three points we've seen in varying degrees throughout the year. It's one of those, it's, it's uh, the things that we've already been seeing as we look into discipleship and disciple making. And I think it's important for us to look at them in a way um, with the lens of parenting our children or uh, being an example to those that are young around us. So the first thing is this, be disciples ourselves first. Okay? If we seek to lead our families, to lead our children to Jesus and to make disciples out of them, we first need to grow in our own discipleship. Okay, I'm not saying that we need to be perfect. Okay, we you can't we can't do nobody's perfect. Okay? But what we can do, it doesn't matter where you are in, the, in your stage of faith, what we can do with our children, with the young people around us, is we can tag them along in our journey of discipleship. Just like what the Apostle Paul has done. Look at what the, the Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What a beautiful passage. Follow me as I follow Christ. He just doesn't say follow me because then the onus would be on him, right? But the onus is not on him. The onus is not on us. The onus is on God because we follow his example. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. This is powerful, okay? Because what, what we heard Chad said earlier there is 
um, our, our young people, they are very intuitive. They learn by seeing. They learn by observing. And we know we, we do that as well as, as old people. We learn by the things that we see. We are socialized in what we do by the things that we see. That's just how the world works. That is just how God has created the world. And what our young people will see is what they will do. They will default to that. It doesn't matter if it's bad or good, especially if they see it done by their parents. You know, we hold such power, right, as parents to our children that we disciple them um, regardless if it's good or bad. But for us to be able to say this, to say to them what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, to our children, follow me as I follow Christ, we need to be a certain type of people. I mean, there's so many things in Scripture that says that. But the one that stands out to me the most is in Titus chapter 2. Remember what our brother Wayne Turner preached to us about when he preached about uh, loving, I still remember the title, loving the youngsters and loving the oldsters. Remember that? He talked about Titus chapter 2. And this verse, verse 2, stands out to me a lot. And I think it's important for us to understand this as we really try to be effective in our discipleship, in our families, as we start with our own selves. Okay? If we want to start with our own selves, try this verse. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. If you create a picture of your mind of what this person is like, right? Imagine somebody who's temperate, not overboard, not overbearing, moderate, worthy of respect. I mean, this person, if, if, you, if you think of someone, you have a problem, you think of someone to go to, to, go to you'll go to this person, Okay? Worthy of respect, self-controlled, because you know this person is self-controlled. This person can just easily like break other people in half with their words, but they don't. Okay, self-controlled and and has a healthy level of faith, love, and endurance. Imagine that person. Okay, and that person, right? God calls us should be us. This is the work that God wants to do with us, to do for us, or, and through us, through His Holy Spirit. All we need to do is just be willing. But there's a lot of words in the slide. I want to highlight one, this one right here, endurance. When we think about endurance, we think about waiting, right? We think about being patient, okay? Patiently waiting, that's endurance. But with us, when we think about waiting, we think about many different things. When we think about the world today and we think about waiting, we wait in so many areas of our lives. Like we can wait on the phone, we can wait in line, and while we wait, we can just let time pass, right? We just do whatever. We can be on our phones while we wait. We can be watching TV as we wait. We'll just, you know, there's some elevator music going on on our phone, we'll just watch TV, it doesn't matter what time they put it on speakerphone. When the person comes on, we just mute the TV and then we talk, right? We can passively wait. You guys understand what I'm saying? But passively waiting is not the endurance that this, this word is trying to tell us today. Okay? This word endurance, you know, the meaning literally is active perseverance. 
when you're persevering, you're, you're, you're intentionally doing it. Right? You're not just waiting for things to happen. You are proactive. Okay? And this is what we want to be as parents, as, as people who are mature in our faith or who wants to mature in our faith. We need to be actively uh, persevering in our growth, in our spiritual maturity, if we are to have our children follow our example. So another key verse for us, for us to be really ready to grow in our own discipleship in Jesus, is this popular verse, Romans 12, verse 2. We've seen this before. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This passage is very important because it tells us, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it uh, reminds us that we need to be transformed. If we are going to uh, focus on our own discipleship first, we need to understand that our minds and our hearts need to change. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. If we say that we are Christians, especially if our children know that we are Christians, it doesn't matter how old they are, they need to see the change. They need to see the change. And that change comes when we take ourselves out of the pattern of this world and onto the pattern of what Jesus has in store for us. All right. Um, and this happens when we, as disciples, practice our disciplines. Yeah, we're disciples because we have disciplines to practice. And when we practice these disciplines, we grow. Okay, just like any normal disciple of whatever discipline. But uh, if you think about the disciples that we need to practice, you know, we have, we, have, we, we have a list. I'm pretty sure you can think of a list. So I have prepared for us just five a, a list of, of five things that I want us to really focus on if we are going to grow in our own discipleship, okay? To be ready to then disciple our own children, our own family. So this is it right here. First thing is we need to grow in our communication with God. We need to spend time with the Word, spend time in prayer, and spend time in worship. These are the three important things that we really need to think about. How are we growing in our life in these areas? Okay, remember, remember, we say that all the time, right? Faith and our relationship with God is not just attending church. It's not just coming to worship. Okay? It is about what we do on our personal time. It is about our relationship with God when nobody else is watching. Okay, that is really what, what matters. Because if we just count this time, it's just maybe an hour and a half of your week. It's like small, right? It's important, definitely important, okay? But it, it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. Uh, let's think about our time spent with God in, in His Word, in, in, in prayer and worship. And another, and, and there's two more things. Another thing that we, I want us to really focus on if we are to um, grow in our own spirituality is our godliness. Okay? 
what um, uh, what are we doing as we try to become more and more godly in our life every day? Okay, one of the things that uh, we really need to understand and focus on is, like, are we quick to sin? You know, in, in Scripture, that, that always stands out to me. You know, the things that God hates, remember? Right? A heart that is quick to go to sin. He doesn't like that. Right? Like, how are we at with that? When we're, do, when, when, when we're about to do something, and we know it's not a good thing to do because God does not approve of it. Right? Do we hurry up and do it? Or do we think and pause? Right? And this is where growth happens. Sometimes it takes us a long time to like think about it, but then we still do it. But then there's going to be a time when we don't do it anymore. Right? That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The only thing that we need to do is really just be willing to allow Him to do that in our lives. Godliness is from God. Where are we with that? And finally, love. We saw that in Deuteronomy 6. Love is the greatest commandment. But where are we in that? In particular, love is something that we do with an object in mind. Love is something that we do for another person. This is not something that we do just for ourselves. Okay? So, um, as a parent, and I'm pretty sure you guys can, can, can relate with me on this, if you're a parent. Okay? Even if you're not, I'm pretty sure you can. For me, the number one indicator of somebody who is mature, and this is what I wish for my children all the time, you know, I, you know we, 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 we try to train our children to see this. The number one indicator for me of, a mat- of maturity is if that person is thinking about somebody else. If that person still thinks about themselves, then that person is really still immature in that area for the most part. Okay, And love is the thing that will allow us to think about other people. That's love. Where are we in all these? This is something that we need to think about if we are to be disciples first, ourselves. Right? And as we work through that, we can go to number two. Okay? We want to help our children to see God in every aspect of their life. Okay? Not just when we talk about going to church or being with people from church. Remember, our relationship with God is all-encompassing. It's holistic. We talked about this a while back. Remember? It's all-encompassing. It is our life. It is not just something that we do when we are comfortable or have time for it. It is who we are. But we need to help our children see that. Okay? Uh, in our scripture reading in Judges chapter 2 verse 10, we see a generation after the generation of Joshua come up who did not know the Lord. And we see the problem here. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. There's two problems here, right? They didn't know God, and they didn't know what God has done for his people. That's the problem. Think about it. What did the Lord do for the people of Israel at that time? Remember, the big ones. 
the exodus from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, right? Um, God's provisions for them in the wilderness and God leading them and taking them from the wilderness to the promised land. Okay, the victories that they've won so that they can claim the promised land. Okay, um, I guess in a way we're speculating, but in a way we're not. Because if they forgot the Lord and the things that the Lord that, have, that, that has done for the people of Israel, we could only surmise that probably their parents did not talk to them about this. Or that their parents forgot about it. They became um, comfortable in the peace that they had and in the prosperity that they had in their new land. So the next generation forgot about God. We cannot afford to do this. We can't afford to do this. <clears throat> so what are we going to do about that? Deuteronomy 6, 4-7 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. First thing, look at verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts as parents. Okay, As those who are more mature than our children and the young people around us, we need to have this in our hearts. It, this should be a priority for us. This should be something that um, uh, we can't just go, um, you know what? Like I said earlier, if I have time for this, then I'll think about it. When it becomes urgent, then I'll, 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 I'll do it. Right now, it's not urgent. Nobody's dying right now. Nobody's, you know, nobody's sinning right now, you know? Nobody's, uh, nobody's uh, you know, no, nobody is in sin right now. So I'm not going to think about that for my children. But the thing is, if we are not doing that, if we are not talking about them in every aspect of our life, if we do not um, have uh, God in our godliness and our faith encompassing everything that we have in our life, that this is always before us in everywhere, everywhere we go, right? It's not always at the forefront of, uh, of our decisions and of our actions. Then you know what's going to happen? we will most probably not impress them on our children. It's just going to be something that's normal. Right? Linda and I, uh, I think I told you this before, uh, we've lived across Canada and also part of the UK. Um, the number one thing that people will ask us and the number one thing that I really struggled to answer was, Jay, why... Does our children leave the faith? Why does our children leave the church? Right? And I, I would go back and forth. Oh, it's, it's the parents. Oh, it's the children. Oh, it's the society. You know, I don't have a direct answer for anyone. But if you look at Scripture, right? We are given such a responsibility to pass on our faith to our children. I know that there's a lot of factors. But today I would like to remind us that our responsibility as, as parents is very important. It, and it, they, it cannot be undermined. 
Our children are intuitive. They need to see that in us. If um, uh, we establish our own culture in our families, do you guys understand this? When children see what we do, you know what? They're going to do it. We tell through our actions and through our decisions every single day the gospel of God. Okay? We show our children the level of our allegiance to King Jesus every single day. We show that to our children when it comes to the frustrations and the problems that we encounter in life. What do we do when we have problems at home or at work or with our relationships? When our children see that when we have problems, uh, we complain we use bad words, right? We swear. <laughs> when we uh, blame other people, when we totally lose our self-control, they will pick that up. They might think that it's not a good thing, but then when they grow up, you know what? They will default to that because that is what they have seen their parents do. If you ask our children today, they will know what is priority in our life. What is the most important thing in our lives today? You know why? Because we spend time doing this or doing this priority. You know why? Because this is what we do right after we wake up and before we go to bed. Our children know this and our children will pick it up. And we set the tone for our children. And so we shouldn't really be surprised, right? What our children do when it comes to faith, when it comes to the church, and when it comes to the things of God. You know, we can blame society all we want. I mean, I get, I, 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 I get it. Our society today, it's so hard for, for our children to see God in our society today. You know why? Because slowly but surely, people are removing God in every aspect of life. From schools, right? To, uh, to, to you know, maybe social media, maybe, um, maybe TV, you know, or, or any other media of that sort. Just the secular, secularization, I can't even say that properly, the secularization of this world is just everywhere. But you know why? It's because God was removed first from people's homes. And so what do we need to do today? Okay? Yeah, we can be, we can be as loud as we want to be, we can, we can put that on our social media and, 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 and tell people about what's going on in society. But really, what effect is that going to do? Or is that going to have? If we are to be effective in changing our society, you know what we need to do? We need to start with our families. We need to start with our families. That is what we need to do because people need to see it. Our children need to see it. Okay, more than, you know, after we have taught it to them, they need to see it in action. Be disciples first 
And then we can help our children see God as they see us go through and uh, grow in our maturity. Finally, number three. Okay? Let's prepare our children to serve in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how young they are or how old they are. There's this verse in scripture that I really love. Psalm 127 verses 3 to 4. I'm pretty sure many of you have seen this, but this is it right here. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I love how this psalm um, equates children to arrows in the hand of a warrior. Like children equals arrows. Do you guys see that? The warrior shapes his arrow. Okay, He forms it to make sure that it's straight, that it's sharp. Right? He molds that arrow to be like that. And what he does is skillfully he would set it and he would unleash it so that it goes straight into the target that he has chosen to hit. Just like parents today, we mold our children and we unleash our children into the world. Okay, I love how as an arrow... Our children is an agent and an instrument that God can use to impart good in this world. Just like salt and light, our children can be. They are definite instruments for good that, we, that, that God has given us the opportunity to mold. Okay, but the question is this. Do we see our children today as people who have potential in, in Jesus? Do we see our people today as disciples if they've already said yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior? The problem, if we're not careful, is this. The problem is we could see our children, especially our adolescents and our teenagers, as people who are just finishing childhood, and now what they need is we need to give them more activities to do so they can be busy. Is that how we view our children in face of the church? People who need to be kept busy? They are arrows in the hand of a warrior. They have... Many of them have potential, but a lot of them are already here. They've already, they're already Christians. You know, one of the things that I didn't like when I was growing up, the expression that people used when I was growing up is, the youth are the future of the church. I didn't like that one bit. You probably think, well, that's a good expression, Jay. It is, right? But I don't like it because I'm, I'm, I was there thinking, when, am I, when can I do stuff? Do I have to wait until I'm older to do stuff? Because I'm not, the, I'm not here yet. I am the future. I am yet to arrive. If we think that our children, if we wait for them to arrive, they probably won't. Because they need to be molded like an arrow. They need to be unleashed as an arrow. 
And then we need to start today. We cannot wait for that to happen. Right? We cannot wait for that to happen. They are arrows in the hand of a warrior. And the question for us as parents is, how are we preparing our arrows to be unleashed into the world? Let us be like the Apostle Paul. You know, we saw this last week. First Thessalonians 2, 11 to 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. You know, we can't wait for our children to just start figuring things out. We need to walk alongside them. That's what discipleship is. Okay, we can't, uh, um, we cannot rely on just educational discipleship. You know, have them attend Bible studies and worship services so that they can be the disciples that they need to be at some point. We need to disciple them. We need to walk alongside them. We need to do life with them. If we want them to do something, if we want them to grow in the five things that we saw earlier in communicating with God, uh, you know, spending time in God's word, prayer, worship, godliness, and love, we need to show that to them. We need to invite them to join us as we do it, and then they can see it for themselves. You know, you're probably thinking, well, how does that really work? Well, I, there's an example. Okay, I'll give you an example. Last week, I think it was last week, Miles and Alicia organized something, a, a service project, for a member of the community, for somebody in the neighborhood to move that person from her apartment. Uh, she's a single mother of two from her apartment to a new home. Okay. She couldn't because she, her, her, she had a broken foot. Okay. So there's a bunch of people that came from our congregation to help out. And one of them was Tyler, Tyler Laycock right here. But what I want to share with you is not that fact that Tyler was just there. What he did was, Tyler brought Jack with him. You guys see that? You guys see the power in that? Jack was there doing what we were doing. He was carrying the things that he could carry from the car, you know, from the home to the, to, to the truck, from the truck to the next home. And it was just a joy to see. And it encouraged me because you know what? I want to do that. I want to do that for my own self because it's, it's brilliant because instead of tell, you know, uh, um, we can, we can tell our kids, hey, you need to help out. You know what I'm saying? But a more powerful thing would be, hey, you want to come with me? We'll help out. That is how we prepare our children to serve. And let's start small. Let's teach our children how to wash dishes at home. Right? Let's wash the dishes with them. Let's clean the house with them. Don't just tell them, hey, clean the house. They might not know how to do it. Let's start with that. And then slowly we can... Can you imagine the joy that they can learn from actually helping out alongside their parents? Huge. Right? And we cannot... Again, we cannot underestimate our, our young people today. Because look at this. Look chapter 2, verse 49. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Do you guys remember who said this? 
Jesus did. You know how old he was? He was an adolescent. He was 12 years old. Luke 2, verse 42. That's where you see it. He was 12 years old. Okay, our children is the now and the here of the church. Okay, they're not just the future. They're here and now. Yeah, they have a lot to offer us today. And finally, we need to um, remember what uh, the example of Abraham. Genesis 18, 18, right? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So brothers and sisters, as we think about discipling our own families, let us be disciples ourselves. Let us think about our own faith and how we can grow in our own spirituality. And then let us think about how we can help our children see God and think about the example that we can show them through our own faith. And then finally, let us prepare our children to serve as we encourage them with the idea that you can do it now. Now you are ready. Okay? I have one last verse, and I want to leave this to us because we want us to be encouraged and, leave with, and, and in part with this. Acts 13, 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body, and his body decayed. What an amazing vision. I want to be that. When I pass away, I want to be able to, I, I want my children to know that I have served God's purpose in my own generation. And it starts, it starts with ourselves, with our faith. Be disciples ourselves first. Let's say, I am resolved no longer to linger. That's our closing song for this morning. Thank you for your time. Will you please stand with me if you're able?